Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is, we're recording a little earlier than we had planned, so um, it hasn't been that long since we recorded, so I'm still recovering from my surgery that I won't go into all the details, so assuming that you've either listened to this before or you don't know me well enough to care. So, um, oh. I do apologize to, uh, if I sound a little weird, I don't, I think I bit my tongue or something earlier. <laughs> And it does feel like my tongue is ginormous in my mouth right now. So, um, before we get into uh, our review for the week, we're going to be reviewing the film Chinatown by Roman Polanski, uh, starring Jack Nicholson and um, Faye Dunaway. Yeah. But before we do that, Corey, how's it going? Fine. (laughs) How are you? I am okay. Um, I just got home from seeing War of the Planet of the Apes, finally. Um, I was feeling better enough to uh, make it out there and see a movie, which I've not been feeling up to. I, I keep, I've keep i been telling myself for three days I was going to go watch it, and each day I was like, no, I don't feel up to it. No, I'm not feeling good. And then finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it today. Uh, today is the day. And um, nice. by kind of a lucky coincidence, um, uh, our friend of the show, Brendan, had told me uh, yesterday that he really wanted me to see War of the Planet of the Apes because he wanted to talk about it. Um, and I texted him when, like at like six that I was going to go see it at seven thirty. He's like, Oh great. I'll meet you there. I was like, Oh, awesome. So, um, he saw it for the third time Holy heck! tonight. Um, and the main reason he saw it tonight with me, aside from the fact that I was going, uh, was because Dunkirk comes out tomorrow and he's prepping to maybe see that one multiple times in the theater and figured he wouldn't make it back to see war of the planet of the apes the third time if he didn't see it today. Um, when Dunkirk is not available for him to watch. So um, if I think we talked about on the podcast, Brendan saw Interstellar 12 times in the theater. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it is uh, curious to see if he will beat that record with Dunkirk. Um, I, I, I posed that question to him, and he's not sure um, because it is a war film. And like myself, um, it's, a, it's a subject matter that we don't tend to want to revisit um, frequently. So... If he ends up seeing it that many times, it'll just be a testament to how much he loves it, um, despite it being a war film. Um, but that said, I uh, I did I really really enjoyed War of the Planet of the Apes. Um, it is I, I won't spoil anything, but I will say it's not the movie that I thought it was going to be, and I think that's a good thing. Um, oh, interesting. <laughs> um, I am a little jealous because Brandon got to go to the three movie marathon last Wednesday, which is what I wanted oh. to do. But I had to choose between that and a ghost story, and I decided to see a ghost story, um, which I'm, I do not regret, but I, I would have liked to have seen all three films in the theater again. Um, although I didn't see Rise in the theater, but I did see Dawn. Um, I got to say, I An- just, Andy Serkis, though, is just amazing. But what were you going to say? Oh, I can't, like, I did two movies in one day, and I think that that is probably my limit. Um, I can't be sitting that long and that's I wish that I understand them putting them all on one day but for people who don't have flexible schedules or have a lot of other uh you know things that they have to do I wish they would like break those up into multiple nights like do one Monday night Tuesday night and then Wednesday night you know but I'm probably in the minority there I mean to be fair they did break it up in like three or uh, no like six years so you had you had chances um no no chances (laughs) But uh, 
I mean, I, I just did a film festival and I, I did it right, you know, so I, I think four was the most oh. I saw in one day, um, which mm. my daughter did too. And uh, she was actually willing to do the Planet of the Apes thing. Um, and it wasn't a film she's super interested in, although I think she'll love them if she gives them a chance. Um, and then again, it is hard to watch. You, you just saw the first one, Apes Die, and it, they are, it's sad when they die because they're animals, and animals, animal death is generally much harder to deal with in movies um, than people death for some reason. But um, I guess we view animals as innocents, and so their deaths are harder to watch. Sometimes helpless, and they rely a lot on us. In certain movies, yes, for sure. Like yeah. John Wick, um, he that little puppy definitely <laughs> relied heavily on John, and John was not up to the task um, at the moment. But his death made him up to the task again. So, um, spoilers for John Wick if you didn't know that. But uh, it's Oops. not. It is at the beginning of the movie though, so not too big of a spoiler. But um, I, I've watched a lot of movies since we recorded just the other day. Um, maybe not as many as I could have, uh, for sure. Um, but I did watch, uh, I got my daughter to watch Sing Street finally, which was a big deal for me. Oh, I wanted I her to see it. Realize she hadn't seen that yet. Yeah, she skipped out on it the, when, when, uh, Kathy and I watched it the first time and she didn't watch it with us when we watched it. Um, and I don't, I, you know what? I don't know if she liked it or not. She never really talked <gasps> about it and... Um, before she could talk about it, I want, I went into kind of like this, I am a John Carney, like, advocate. I want every, if you like one of his movies, you need to see all three. Because if you like one of his movies, um, odds are you are either a music lover or a musician. And he captures that mind better than anyone else I've seen in film. And so, if you're a big John Carney fan, or, sorry, if you're like, if you saw Sing Street and you loved it, you need to watch once. You need to watch Begin Again. And I will Im immediately say Begin Again is the weakest of the three films. Um, mainly because it's the best, biggest budget film he's done. And it feels that way. It feels polished and it feels a little too clean uh, compared to the other two films. Um, and it's out of his origins. The other two films are taking place in Ireland, his home country. Um, Begin Again is an American film. But all three do things as a musician um, from a musician's perspective in a way that is just absolutely captivating. Um, and I, I'm a big advocate for him. Um, he is lesser known, although has a lot of success. I mean, once did very well at the Academy Awards and it was turned into a to uh, Broadway musical and won Tony's. So, I mean, um, he's not, not that he's gone unnoticed, obviously, but um, he still feels like uh, not everybody knows him. And I think a lot of people would love his movies if they knew about them. Um, which I've watched once uh, from about the halfway point uh, twice this week because it's been on sh uh, Stars. But um, since we recorded, I watched Sing Street. I think I just watched The Meddler when we recorded last. I feel like maybe. But now I'm not sure. Um, what day is the 16th? Is that Monday? No, that was Sunday. So we recorded uh, the, pod the top five on Sunday. But I watched Sing Street, Chinatown, which is what we're going to be talking about. Um, Edward Scissorhands for the first time since I was a kid and I did not realize how much of that movie I had forgotten um, until watching oh. it. Uh, it was on um, the Sundance channel. Oh. Oh. And um, so it has commercial interruptions but it's predominantly unedited. Like they did bleep a couple of curse words but they didn't cut it out. And um, I, I, you know, I really liked the movie actually and I, I liked it when I was a kid but I, I don't think I've ever rewatched it. I think I saw it in the theater as a kid and then I've seen clips. You saw that in the theater? 
I did. Yeah, my, I'm pretty sure I went with my mom. I'm like 90% sure I went with my mom. Super um, jelly. And uh, the 400 Blows, which is a Francis Truffaut movie that I, has been on my uh, must-see list for a long time. It is considered one of the greatest films of all time. Um, I will say that it is clear why it is considered that. However, not my style of film, as I am very story-driven. And it is there is a story, but it, it didn't click with me initially um after doing some reading and, and kind of learning a little bit about the time period and stuff it, it, it clicked more and I, I definitely want to revisit it um at a later point but it is um it is definitely it lived up to the hype that i was expecting it to i mean it's one of those films where you go in knowing if you don't like it something's probably wrong with you and not the movie um because it's such a it's such a staple when people list like great films um and then war of the planet of the apes today um what have you seen recently cory um this movie and i watched the new episode of game of thrones on sunday (laughs) and i feel like that's it sorry oh no um i i gave up game of thrones last year um mainly because i was watching so many movies last year and i just didn't have time for it and Mm -hmm. i i did go to try to watch season six and i i watched i think the first episode and I just wasn't in it anymore. And so, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I've heard a lot of people are kind of done with it or, you know, have been. But I'm glad that it's coming to an end because I don't want it to drag on for 27 years. But I enjoy it. I had given it up after season five, too, because of something I won't spoil because I know that not everybody has watched it. But um, I'm spot that my friend has started watching it again for her to, uh, like, refresh and get ready for uh, Season 7 premiere. There's so much that happens in each episode, and I feel like I have the worst memory ever that I feel, I want to go through and rewatch all of it because yeah. there's just too much. And it's, it's sometimes hard to understand what they're saying. Um, I was really at a loss for character names the first season when I watched it. Like, I was like, I don't know oh, who that still. is. Who's that person? I don't know that guy. Like, I know I've seen that guy, but I don't know what his name is. And... Um, I, I started to read the books, but I, I didn't, um, I, there's, you know, reading takes a lot of time. I got other stuff to do. Um, nothing against reading. Every once in a while, a book will pull me back in, but generally, um, I am too occupied to take time to read, uh, unless it's an audiobook. I'm all for audiobooks, but, um, I've not invested in the, uh, Game of Thrones audiobooks, so, um, that said, Corey's been kind of passive with her movie watching i know you're trying you went to try to see the big sick last night and that backfired um the theater was overcrowded universe was telling me no which is disappointing because it is a really good movie i I might see it again this weekend um i might go see it tomorrow i was trying to plan um i really want to see it but you know our theater does like that five dollar promo on tuesdays and i everyone caught on and there was a car accident and uh there was no parking spaces and i just like drove up and my anxiety was like holy heck i've done that on so many different occasions with so many different events like where i'll go somewhere and be like nope never mind can't do it there's too many people (laughs) i will just keep driving but um yeah uh i um might see it again this weekend um my my wife and i actually going to get a date night on saturday and i'm hoping to convince her to see a movie uh, Big Sick is heavily on my list, although I'm not opposed to seeing uh, Girls Night with Girls Trip. Excuse me, Girls Trip with her. Um, that's a movie I think she'll really enjoy, and I've heard, it's actually getting really positive reviews, which is oh. 
um, which is good because so far all of the summer comedies have been pretty bad. So it would be nice to actually have at least one non like blockbuster type movie uh, that's a you know one comedy that's out the summer to be funny and not just you know rehashing of old bits or trying to recreate the magic of Twenty One Jump Street. Um, you know, something original that is, you know, funny. And again, it's going to be original to a degree. It's, it's four women going to like New Orleans during Mardi Gras, um, escaping their mundane, uh, you know, middle-aged crisis type escape movie. But that doesn't mean it's not going to have original content. Some of the jokes in the trailer are very raunchy, but, um, that can be funny. So, well, um, we're going to get into, uh, what's coming out next week on home video and that means dvd blu-ray or digital um it's there's a few things coming out um one thing though that is already out that i didn't know it had kind of snuck out on me i'm not sure when it released but it is available right now to rent from like any uh D dvd concession boxes and I i'm assuming any other type of like delivery service rentals um and then digital um and it's called city of z uh lost city of z excuse me um, have you heard of that, Corey? Um, yes, but I'm not remembering <laughs> what it's about right now. Well, it's an action-adventure bio-movie, so it's, like, based on somebody who actually existed. But um, stars Charlie uh, Hoonan, uh, Robert Pattinson, Sienna Miller, and um, it is a true-life drama centering on British explorer Colonel Percival Fawcett, who disappeared while searching for a mysterious city in the Amazon in the 1920s. Um, has a 78 Metacritic score, and I've heard a lot of great things, and I, I wanted to see it, and I missed it. It was it, it was in theaters around the time of the film festival, so that was April, I think. Um, and so I was I was seeing so many movies, I didn't even try to get to that. And um, I was at Walgreens the other day, and I was I decided just to see if there was anything in the in the box that I hadn't seen, which is unusual right now, as I'm I tend to make it to the theater for most of the big movies. Um, and that one caught my eye. It, they were sold at, or rented out of it um, for the time being. But I, I'm excited because I'm going to try to get to that one soon. Because, um, again, I've heard a lot of good praise. I've heard Robert Pattinson's really great in it. And he's got another movie coming out from A24 soon oh. that looks really good, too. Um, good. And before we get into the DVD releases uh, for next week, I just want to talk about something that uh, I don't know if you've seen. You know, Gilmore Del Toro has a new film coming out. Have you seen the trailer that, that dropped? Um... Oh, um, no. I saw that he had dropped one. Yeah, um, it, Brandon saw it, uh, the first screening of War of the Planet of the Apes, and I wasn't sure if they were going to show it with ours, and they did, and it looks, uh, pretty awesome. Um, really, really, uh, it's a period piece. Um, lots of good actors. Octavia Spencer's in it. Um, I'm going to forget all the names now, but there were a bunch of people that I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for this. This looks great. And, um, oh, oh, Michael Shannon is in it. Uh, <gasps> yeah. Although he does appear to be playing the villain, so uh, which well, is great. You know. He's a great actor, so he's great at whatever he is. But I mean, you're going to be probably rooting against him, but nonetheless, he'll be fantastic on screen while doing it. So, um, and uh, as Del Toro only does, it's visually stunning. And uh, honestly, I think it 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 feels like a cross between Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy, um, as far as the visual look to the film. There's like kind of a steampunk type vibe that's reminiscent of, of Hellboy um, but the color palette to me was triggering the memories of some of the uh, fantastic scenes in Pan's Labyrinth so very excited if you're a Del Toro fan um, and if you haven't seen the trailer definitely something to look for I will look up the name real quick while we're talking about the DVDs is it 
the shape of water? It is something with water. I don't know if it's the shape of water, but it, that's probably it. Um, did you just pull it up? I'm trying to, but it's. Um, I'm going to just have to go to his IMDb because it's a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, The Shape of Water. Yeah, okay, so that's the name of the new Guillermo del Toro film. Um, stars Michael Shannon, um, Octavia Spencer, the only two that are popping up as the uh, top bill, but there's other. Michael uh, Strahlberg, who is in a few of the Cohen films. Oh. Regular Doug Jones is in it, and it looks like Sally Hawkins is the lead. Oh, Richard Jenkins is in it, too. Sweet. I didn't see him. Oh, in my trailer. gosh. We love him. Yes, we do. He's a great character actor. Um, oh, maybe that's... You know what? I just realized who he was in the film. I, I heard the voice was... Re like, there was a guy whose face was never quite clearly on screen, and the voice was really familiar, and I'm pretty sure that's who that was now. Oh. Um, and Doug Jones uh, is going to be the creature that you'll see in the trailer. Um, he is almost always the creature um, in the Guillermo del Toro fans of course, uh, films. Of course, if you're a fan, you already knew that. So let's get into what's coming out next week. Corey, there's some really good stuff coming out. Um, uh, and there's also some really bad stuff coming out. Um, Gifted, the Chris Evans movie about the, uh, where he has fostered his sister's daughter um, and they want to put her in a gifted program and the whole legal battle around that. Um, it's Chris Evans, Octavia Spencer again. Um, Lindsay Duncan, McKenna Grace, uh, who is the little girl, and she's fantastic. Um, Jenny Slate, who does a really great job as the teacher. I enjoyed this film quite a bit. Um, I'm excited that it's coming to home video. It has a 60 Metacritic. Um, it definitely, uh -oh. it well, it, it's got some elements that I think a critic's not going to uh, necessarily appeal to. Um, a lot of, it's very heartfelt, and some of it's a little melodramatic. I tend to like that. Um, I thought Chris Evans gave a terrific performance, and Octavia Spencer can't... I, I've yet to see her do something bad. Um, I didn't watch The Shack. Uh, it's not my type of movie. Um, it, And I still don't think she would have been bad in it, although, I, again, I have not seen it. Mm -hmm. um, we have the... I love that movie, too. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. Oh, I love you that movie, see. too. Yeah, I saw it in theaters, and I cried so much, and it was like borderline ugly cry. So, everyone, just go rent it or buy it. We both suggest it. <laughs> yeah, we both enjoyed it. Um, definitely a film that I think needs to be seen. Uh, and I, I actually, it came out around the same time as Fate of the Furious at my theater. And I remember being very frustrated as I think I was the only person in my screening of, the, of Gifted. And there was a lot of people in line. And it was like the second or third week of Fate of the Furious. Um, and I wanted to just walk into Fate of the Furious and shout at people like, come watch this other movie. Like That's you don't have to watch cars blow up. Like come come see other things. Do cars blow up? I don't know. Um, it's been a while since I've seen a Fast and the Furious movie. But uh, next up, coming out on July twenty fifth, home video is the Boss Baby. Um, this has a fifty on Metacritic, but um, I've heard a lot of positive things about it. It stars Alec Baldwin, Steve Buscemi, Jimmy Kimmel, um, and Lisa Kudrow. I didn't know that. Tobey Maguire is in it as well. Um, and then some people I'm not familiar with, so I won't read all their names. Um, I, I didn't see this. I still don't want to see it, but I did hear that it was funnier than expected. Um, so maybe check that out if it's uh, available to you. I'll probably wait for that one to come on HBO before I bother um, with it. Um, here comes one of the bad ones, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Um, hey, we're going to disagree on this one. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. Um, it, no. it, it does have a 52 on Metacritic. Um, I thought Scarlett Johansson looked like she had a poopy diaper uh, the whole movie. 
Um, and I thought a lot of her acting choices were very weird. I didn't think they worked. Um, but we have, uh, you know, Michael Pitts in it, kind of. Um, a few other people. Julia Binoche, who's good, I guess. I, I found it, um, and I'm not a big fan of the anime either. Like, I don't dislike the anime, but I'm not, like, one of those people who've been watching it for 20 years and have a lot of investment into the project. Yeah. Um, so I watched it, I think, the week before this movie came out. It was fine. I didn't, I didn't see what all the fuss was about, but I'm not a big anime person anyways. Um, not that style of anime. Like, I like, um, what I've seen of Studio Ghibli, although that's still very, very, I think that's still just spirited away. I am working on getting to those. Um, but Ghost in the Shell, the movie didn't work for me. But Corey, you're saying uh, people might like it. Who? What was it about it that you that won you over? I enjoyed it. Um, I I have never seen the anime. I'm gonna put that out there up front and center for everyone. Um, my husband did watch it um, before, just so he would like have an idea. I didn't <laughs> I don't mind any of Scarlett Johansson's acting choices or um I like Michael Pitt in that role um I enjoyed it it's not one that I would buy but it was good seeing it on the big screen yeah I mean I thought it would have been great on the big screen because of the the special effects and expecting a lot yeah. of action sequences it didn't really live up to that and what it is lacking for those of you who are fans of the anime if maybe you skipped it because you heard bad stuff it doesn't have the philosophical side that the anime tries to do um, really at all. Like, it's it's there, but it feels very forced, and it's not organic. Um, and it, you're not invested in the character like you were in the anime. Um, so with that, um, there's one more movie that we're going to talk about coming to home video. Um, and I almost forgot about it because it's called Unforgettable. Um, we, we talked a little bit of trash when the trailer for this movie came out. Um, this I'm was, actually having to like Google it right now. It's the <laughs> Rosaria Dawson and Catherine Heigl oh. um, revenge, like fatal attraction type movie. A woman sets out to make life hell for her ex-husband's new fiance. Uh, Forty-five on Metacritic. Um, it looks awful. I heard it was awful. I'm not gonna watch this movie uh, unless it ends up on HBO or Showtime or, or Stars, and my wife watches it, and I happen to be in the room. Otherwise, it's not on my list, but I thought I would mention it because it does have two big names. And I do love Rosario Dawson. It is so sad to me that she's in this movie. Um, but there it is. All right. Next week um, in theaters. So that's what's coming out on home video. Again, that means DVD, Blu-ray, or digital. Um, I, I am assuming it's mainly DVD, Blu-ray. I'm finding it a little challenging to get good information about what's coming out digital because some stuff comes out weeks in advance digital um but we're we're working on it it's uh, it's something in the process so uh theatrical release though next week there's two films coming out that are going wide um and one uh what let's start with the the animated one i guess um the emoji movie comes out on uh july 28th um and i didn't realize it until recently that T.J. Miller is the lead, um, which you will know as, um, oh boy, my name's, my, uh, the guy who owns the house in Silicon Valley, and I cannot think of his name for some reason. Oh, uh, he has such a weird name in Silicon Valley, too. Yeah, I, man, I usually know it, um, Bachman, um, oh, uh, so he's, like, he owns the house that they all stay in, in Silicon Valley, but T.J. Miller's, I'm a fan of, 
Um, he's done a lot of good stuff. James Corden is playing um, one of the main characters who is he's very funny. Anna Ferris is in it. Maya Rudolph, Stephen Wright, Jennifer uh, Coolidge, Patrick Stewart as the poop emoji. That's been the big kind of comedic element that people were talking about in the beginning. Uh, Christina Aguilera, Sofia Vergara, Rachel Ray. Um, this is a lot of people who don't necessarily have like this type of a role. Um, <coughs> I, I am sorry. Rachel Ray's voice bothers me a little bit. Yeah, as a voice actor. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think she'll be the lead. I know TJ Miller is the lead. He's playing the meh emoji. Um, and I can't even believe I just said that sentence out loud. But Gene is a multi-expressional <laughs> emoji. Sets out on a journey to become a normal emoji. I don't know what else that means. Um, I do know that this looks like it's going to be a big product placement movie for cell phone-related content. If you've seen the trailer, uh, there is a whole thing with Candy Crush. Um where they're playing Candy Crush on the on the phone. So, um, not sure how many of those types of references are going to be in there. I don't know that Candy Crush is still relevant as a reference. I feel like that was like two years ago, um, which is probably when the script was being written and thus made sense at the time. But, maybe. Um, I don't think I'm going to see this in the theater, um, unless it gets some crazy positive buzz that it's really good. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts, Corey? No, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a... Like, I did see the Angry Birds film. Um, and that was my daughter... I think the last year my daughter was, like, really into animated films that aren't of a high caliber. Where it was, like, anything animated we would go see kind of thing. And so we saw Angry Birds. We saw Minions that year. Um, I gotta confess, I liked Angry Birds. Um, despite a lot of people hating it. I found a lot of joy. Mainly because Jason Sudeikis was, was red. And he makes me laugh. I find him very funny in most cases. Not every case. Um, but I generally like him. And it worked for me enough that I found the movie enjoyable. I didn't think it was like a masterpiece of animation or anything. But I, I found it enjoyable. I was pleased with the movie. Um, I did go in with fairly low expectations because it was an Angry Birds movie. But um, Emoji just seems like even more of a, of a missed idea. Like why would you think... Why do we need that? Yeah, why do we need to take these little hieroglyphic things that are in our zeitgeist right now and make them talk and walk? Um, I just feel like it's it's a dumb premise. Um, now, the movie that I can't wait to see next week is Atomic Blonde. Um, Atomic Blonde is uh, starring Charlize Theron, Sophia Butella, James McAvoy, who I'm a big fan of, uh, directed by David Litch. Leach? I'm not sure how to say that for sure, but he is... Um, credited with a lot of stunt work, but he is, uh, the big credit is he is a co-director, uh, for John Wick, and he is directing Deadpool 2, which I didn't realize until just now. Um, so, he's got a lot of action, uh, stunt work, and that's what we're expecting this to be, like, the female John Wick. Um, the IMDb says an undercover M16 agent is sent to Berlin during the Cold War to investigate the murder of a fellow agent and recover a missing list of double agents. I did not realize it was a period piece. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I've heard positive things. It has a 68 right now with only eight critic reviews, so that can go up or down. Um, I'm excited about it. What are your thoughts, Corey? Not very excited about it. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, they chose very good. Um, when did you say that it's set? Uh, in the Cold War era, so assumably sometime between the 70s and uh, early 90s. Oh, I thought 80s. that. 
Oh, okay. Um, because I loved um, the choices that they chose for the trailer, like the song choices. I was like, heck yes. But the movie doesn't look very interesting to me. Corey, now didn't I yes. teach you not to judge an action movie by the trailer? Like you, you blew John <laughs> Wick off for two years. I know, I know. And this is the same guy. Like, and now it's with Charlize Theron, who is a great actor. I know, and I love, I love the like the cast too. Yeah, I, I think you need to, to, to flip on this one. I think you need to go check it out. And if you hate Maybe it, Maybe on $5 Tuesday. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, I'll I'll uh, I'll go with $5 Tuesday. But I think you need to check it out. Um, and again, okay. th- this this movie did not get picked by any of us um, for box office. So it's not, this is not uh, like it's going to affect the game at all. Like, but no. Well, I don't look at that anyway. If I want to see a movie, I'm going to see a movie. You guys can have my money. Um, I'm going but... to everybody's movie. So, yeah. Oh, right. Um. I, uh, oh, jeezy, crazy. I'm thinking that we might have been wrong not to choose that one because a lot of people are hyped up on it. Yeah, I think the John Wick, um, like, carryover is going to really help it. Um, Mm -hmm. I still don't think it's going to make a lot of box office dollars. I think it will do well. I think it'll make its budget back, and Mm -hmm. it it will be a solid action movie, I think. How much the budget is, actually. Um, I, I wouldn't think it's over... If it's over a hundred million, I would be surprised. I, I would. Well, that's for. You got to think like cause John Wick was a little low budget. This one's got. We're in different locations. It looks like we're. I mean, they may not have filmed where they're. They're, you know, saying they are. I don't know for a fact where they filmed, but um, just the names alone, um, McAvoy and Ther- Theron have had pretty big careers, and Sophia Butella has is amazing. Um, and everything I've seen her in, which is uh, Star Trek Beyond, um, Kingsman, she was Gazelle, and then I don't want to like I don't feel like she was bad in the Mummy. The Mummy isn't great, but I don't think that was her fault at all. Um, it was really bad writing more than anything. But um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm kind of curious because she's listed first in the cast, oh. uh, and I've seen I know where she shows up in the trailer. So I don't know what role she's yeah. going to have. Oh, Bill Skarsgård is in this, too. I didn't notice that. Oh, and it also has John Goodman, Toby Jones, who's in a bunch of stuff, Eddie Marzen, um, who's in a bunch of things that I like. Um, I just mentioned him with the uh, the ex- uh, the exception the other day on our Top 5 uh, War Movie podcast. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Um, how good will remain to be seen? Will it be as good as John Wick? Um I don't think so. It sounds like this one's a little more grounded because that's one of the things I loved about John Wick was the intrigue of the world that they built. Um, I want to know never more. Too much. Yeah. Like, it was still, uh, even with all that we learned about it, it was still very... Yeah. It's it's captivating. It's interesting. This will we'll have an interesting world too, probably, but it sounds like it's grounded in our history which might make it not as interesting, um, as, or at least not as interesting as John Wick. So still compelling, interesting, but maybe not going to become this killer franchise that John Wick did. But then again, um, I do love the cast. and The action just in the trailer looks great, so I, I'm in. Uh, and uh, McAvoy seems like he's got his snarky uh, kind of dry humor uh, in situations that it doesn't belong in which usually works really well for me um particularly the scene where he goes to get her out of the car and she shoots at him and he holds out her high heels like i got your shoe it's just that (laughs) cracks me up i don't know why um but those are the two big movies coming out on uh july 28th and with that 
let's get into our review of Chinatown. Um, what we do is we go in, we're, we're going to give just a little kind of overall take on the film, and then we will get into um, spoilers. But starting off, uh, Chinatown is from 1974, directed by Roman Polanski, who is a um, very, you know, he has a troubled past, to say it mildly. Um, the film says a private detective hired to expose an adulterer finds himself caught up in a web of deceit, corruption, and murder. Um, I, I always get a little confused how to classify the, the noir films from outside of the noir period. I'm saying noir very weird for some reason, and noir. Um, this is definitely a noir film. It has that vibe uh, all the way through. It's just, um, I'm not sure if this would classify as neo-noir or one of the other variations of the genre, but... Um, Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, John Houston, Perry Lopez, John Hillerman, Daryl Zerling, Diane Ladd, and Roy Jensen, and Roman Polanski actually has a small role in this film as well, are, are your actors that are in order on IMDb. Um, Corey, what was your initial impression of Chinatown? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to withhold my one word, like, goal. Um, I'm going to be a contrarian. Um underwhelming overhyped i hope that our discussion makes me like it better this is currently in my top 50 films of all time um i i loved it uh i was very blown away i love mysteries i am finding and i also love noir films um which is something i didn't know until last year as i don't think i had seen a noir film before last year um have you or, have you seen any of the big noir films mm, i don't know like so. some of the ones that uh, get tossed around, um, Touch of Evil, um, Double Indemnity, uh, Third Man, Laura, uh, oh man, Maltese Falcon, um, I think Rope and Strangers on a Train would probably qualify, maybe not, um, and I've seen Citizen Kane listed, although that is a very different type of film if it is going to fall into noir, it does have some of the same um, genre conventions, but not all. Um, but traditionally, uh, it's not a it's not a detective story in every case. Um, but it, there is usually some type of mystery or something that is unfolding before our eyes. Uh, generally, though, it has a negative tone about humanity, um, and the themes that the film addresses are those negative qualities that we possess. And it's usually a downer. It doesn't end with a big positive, um, happy ending that you want from movies and it was actually at the time nobody wanted it because it, w it wasn't real it was after world war ii after the great depression um people were still kind of pissed off and noir films gave them a place to explore that anger and hostility and um i i, I think noir might be making a comeback because we're kind of getting into that same position where people are pissed off and they need an outlet and so maybe seeing some films where the the endings aren't always so happy um, will give them some catharsis for what's going on in their everyday lives. So, um, I hope, Corey, that I can sway you, but... Uh, I hope you can, too. Was there anything in particular that stood out as um, negative? Like, was it the acting? Was it the story? Like, what, what did you dislike? I didn't find the story compelling at all. I wasn't very interested in it. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, it felt very long like much longer than needed to be and i even like broke it up into two and eat like an hour and six minutes one day and an hour and four minutes the next day and it's still even those one hour blocks just felt very long see now i am an advocate that doing that 
creates problems. Uh, the biggest thing, especially in a film that is so heavily invested in its tone and mood, that you t- you ruin the the mood that the director has been taking an hour to set by walking away from it and doing other things in your life, and your mood is then altered. So when you come back to the movie, you're not in the right head state to continue watching it. That's why I don't do that. Um, you, you know that that's something that I actively avoid doing. I, I won't start a movie if I don't think I can finish it in the one sitting uh, for the most part. Like there are some movies now, like I've seen Shaun of the Dead, I don't know how many times. I'll watch that at any point and, and walk away from it with no problem because I can always pick it back up and I know the movie so well. Like the tone is in my head. Um, but the first viewing of a film, I do. I want to sit and watch it from beginning to end. And now I, I have a question because I know how much of a music lover you are. Um, I am a person who I, I will either, um, more often than not, I will uh, shuffle an album. Um, like, oh, oh ah, that's what I was going for. Are you a nope. listen from first song to last song? Because that's how the artist intended. Um, sometimes it kind of depends on the album. Unfortunately, I think that um, especially the further we go on, too many bands and musicians are worried about making singles instead of albums. Uh-huh. So their albums don't feel cohesive. Um, yeah. But in general, I enjoy listening from beginning to end, unless it's one of those albums where I think they were just really shooting to mix, you know, a couple of whatever. And that is something that I will say about this movie, that the music was oh. way too loud and distracting. What? Oh, yeah, my it was God. too loud. Too loud. That's so funny to me because I feel that way about It Follows, and you love the score for that. And I, I love the score for that. I love the score for this movie. <laughs> and thought, also, I would like to let everyone know that my air conditioning has been broke for like a month, and I have a like a weird thing in my living room. And I usually listen to my TV. Um, legit, I listen to it on like a thirteen. Okay, with this, out of what? I've been having to listen to it at like a twenty-five to a thirty. So, I know that that's not helping the situation, but still, I was having a hard time hearing some of the. Uh, and I do watch with subtitles because I'm really 87, but um, I was having a hard time hearing some of like their, you know, I'm forgetting words right now. The, their you dialogue, know, what they're saying in the movie. Yeah, the dialogue. Go. I was gonna say narration, but that's that would um, be wrong. Um, yeah, very incorrect. But it, there was never any trouble hearing the music. It was very loud. Well. So Corey and I are at a very distinctive, uh, dis, uh, different of opinion on this film. Um, of course, if we were to look at the Metacritic score, Corey would definitely be wrong. It's an 86 on uh, Metacritic. <laughs> uh, now that is only 10 reviews because it is an older movie. It's from again 1974. Um, it has an 8.2 user rating, and that is despite Roman Polanski's history. Which before we get into the spoiler what? reviews, I do want to talk about. Uh, or you want to, you want what what's Roman Polanski's big negative, Corey? Um, you mean in his history? Well, yes. As far as like, yeah. why do people look like you know have not so good opinion of the man? Um. Well, he ended up. Uh, I had to do a little bit of research the other day after we were initially oh, talking about this. Um, but he raped a thirteen-year-old girl, and ended up. Um, pleading to statutory rape, I believe, is the charges that he pled guilty to, um, on a photo shoot or something like that. And now he is not allowed back in our country. Well, if he came back in our country, they would arrest him, so he can't yeah. come back in. He's, he's, I think, in France? He's um, hiding? I can't remember where he is currently uh, residing. So he's, he's hiding. 
Yeah, in essence. I mean, he's now he he's hiding in the sense that he is um, in a country that we can't extradite from, um, so he can't be sent to us to be punished. So he's safe. Um, It's not like he's hiding like underground or anything. We can't go get him. Um, And I don't know that we would go get him, given that it's not a murder charge, which. I think rape should be treated like a murder charge. I'm not saying, but it's not. It's not how it's treated in our our uh, system. Um, but yeah, so he is um, an awful, awful man in that regard. Now, um, my understanding, and I've not done any research, but I, I was told that his wife, his pregnant wife, was killed by the Manson family during the yep. the Manson family murders, and that his either he or his family escaped the Holocaust. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not uh, either. As far as, like, I don't know if it was him or whatnot. I am, I'm definitely, I have not done enough research on that. Again, that doesn't justify his actions. Like, going through uh, hard times does not justify you being evil. However, someone might be a little more sympathetic um, because maybe he was driven mad by the things that happened. And so raping the 13-year-old girl was not, um, and I guess to be fair, statutory rape is different than, than rape. Uh, statutory implies that it may have been consensual, but she was 13, um, which is messed up. It's more messed up if it wasn't consensual. It's messed up even if it is consensual, but way, way, way worse if it wasn't. And I think that's what I would heard was that uh, he coerced her into it. Um, but I don't know any of the details um, enough to really speak on it. But um, that said, we we want to get real quickly into the topic of art versus the um the artist can you separate the two roman polanski is um convicted uh statutory rapist who is in hiding um in another country and in both uh uh, two of his big films rosemary's baby and in this film um there are some themes that kind of reflect that Uh, rosemary's baby features a very lengthy rape sequence um and this movie uh has a spoiler that i won't get into just yet um, but it reflects the uh, older person sleeping with a younger person. Um, so when you uh, we don't want to spoil um, when when you take that into consideration, it seems even more messed up that it's in the film because it's messed up when it happens. And then now that we have this information about him, can you still enjoy Chinatown knowing who directed it? Um, apparently, I can. Um, I. I I like this more than Rosemary's Baby. Like, I, I found why Rosemary's Baby is a well-regarded horror movie. It is horrific, and it is stressful, and um, it's definitely well-made. And I think Chinatown is excessively well-made. There's some really awesome camera work. Um, the acting, I love Jack Nicholson in this movie so much. Um, and this is, it's my type of character. He's kind of an asshole. Yet, there is this, there's something about him that makes you root for him. Um despite him being kind of cynical and kind of against everything uh there's a goodness in him that you see kind of starting to come out as the film goes this this drive to do the right thing and then how the film pays that off is is also really compelling to me so um i think that's a sufficient is there anything you want to say before we go into spoilers Corey? nah well let's give the warning okay if you haven't seen Chinatown and you don't want us to ruin it, go watch it and then come give us a listen. If you don't really care, we'll see him ahead. But spoiler, warning. I um, immediately want to say that I, I legitimately am trying to figure out where to put this on my top 50. In fact, I want to rework a couple of the other noir films. I watched Double Indemnity last year. I love that movie so much. Um, this one works, I think, more for me than Double Indemnity did because it... 
there's a lot of payoff. Now, there there is some funny parts. Um, I want to get right away what we just alluded to. Um, Faye Dunaway's character, um, I guess a quicker plot synopsis is, is needed just to make sure everything flows if you haven't watched the movie. Um, Jack Nicholson's a private eye, J.J. Giddies. Um, he's hired by Mrs. Mulray to spy on her husband, uh, Mr. Mulray, who she suspects is having an affair. That's what he, So he goes in looking... Um, he finds he it takes a few days, but he finally sees Mulray with an, a, another woman. Takes pictures, and uh, those pictures leak to the press, and Mrs. Mulray shows up at his office. But it's not the same woman; it's a different woman. This is the real Mrs. Mulray, who never hired him to do this in the first place, and that really upsets him. And so the question I initially have is, why does he pursue this case so hard? Because um, she initially. Uh, you know, she, this, the real Mrs. Mulray, who's played by Faye Dunaway, offers, uh, is going to sue him. Um, he starts investigating, and she immediately drops the lawsuit. And um, he uh, he doesn't accept that. He's not okay with that. It's not enough. And so you have to look at his motivation. What keeps him going? And I feel like it's his pride. Um, his pride was hurt that he was tricked, that he was duped by this fake Mrs. Mulray. Um, that he's being, and he knows that he's being manipulated, and that he doesn't, he doesn't deal with that well. He's like, no, 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 no. Someone hired me to do something to hurt you, and I'm not okay with that because that's not. I'm supposed to be catching these types of people, not being hired by them. And um, his pride pushes him to pursue this case um, that clearly is a big deal. Like, there's a lot going on, and I found that so compelling and so interesting. Um, as the story unfolds. <coughs> and that didn't work for you, huh? No. <laughs> um, I did... I think that they did a good job kind of um, dating this movie as far as um, when it first opens, there is a man who has hired Giddies um, to spy on his wife, and he finds out that she's cheating on him, and he has like a minor meltdown in the office. But as soon as the first and fake Mulray, uh, Mrs. Mulray comes into his office, he tries to talk her out of it and tries to tell her that, you know, don't, you know, pursue this. You're happy the way your life is, blah, 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 blah. So I thought that, uh, I don't know necessarily how to put what I think into verbiage, but I found that very interesting. And, uh, but yeah. Well, um, I, I love so much about this movie. What I went to say, though, about Faye Dunaway's character, Mrs. Mulray, um, the woman that Mr. Mulray was hanging out with wasn't an affair. It was his daughter. But it wasn't his daughter. It's really Mrs. Mulray's estranged daughter that she's had nothing to do with because the father of that that child is Faye Dunaway's father. So if that's un- unclear, he raped her. His, her father raped her when she was 15. So there's that statutory rape thing that I was referring to. Um, sh- and impregnated her. She ran away. And Mr. Mulray, who is business partners with her father, Mr. Cross, um, takes her in, protects her. And I guess because of that, there's like maybe a Florence Nightingale syndrome where she falls in love with her, her protector. Um, and eventually they get married. Now, there's some hints that maybe that maybe it was a, a fake marriage or like a, a you know show marriage or something, um, but there's also some in, implications that she she did care for him, but she was kind of broken. Now, with that, the reveal for that, um, 
I laughed a little harder than I should have when he slapped her. Um, not because he slapped her. Unexpected. Yeah. And not just once. Yeah, well, because, like, I thought she was kind of chewing the scenery for a minute. Um, the way she's like, she's my sister. She's my mother. And then she really starts just going. And then I'm um, her mother. And then at first I thought she was just lying. And yeah, so that's I, what I, thought I thought it was kind of crazy. And he thought she was lying that like, you're just going back and forth between these two lies. And then it clicked. And then her performance made sense. But like the initial, I thought it was a little much. And then when it clicked, what was being said, I was like, Oh my God, her father freaking raped her. And that's why she hasn't talked to her father. Like everything came together. Um, so well, because initially you think that Mr. Mulray is murdered, which I didn't say, but Mr. Mulray is murdered. And so uh, we think it's because of the water supply. You know, when Jack Nicholson goes back to the water reservoir and the dude slits his nose. Yeah. Okay. That's Roman. That's, that's Roman, Roman Polanski. Polanski. Yeah. Um, and, but that scene, man, when he freaking cut his nose, it freaked me out so much. I was like, and it looked very real. Oh, it's like, so real looking. So often um, when they do like blood and stuff in movies, it's just, it. you know what I mean? You can just tell it's not real. But I thought that they did do a good job with that. It looked, And then I was wondering if he really did get cut or something because it just looks so real. That scar, like when he's got the stitches, when the bandage comes the off, it's so gross. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh, man. And they're so big. Oh, it's <laughs> so bad. Um and like, oh, but Jack Nicholson, I just, I just loved him in this movie. I was, I was in his character the whole time. Um, there's so many little things uh, in the movie that, like, um, the apple core, like the guy, his, his coworkers had pictures of Mulray arguing with Mr. Cross, but they don't know who it is. And he's like, well, "Did you hear anything?" All I heard was apple core. And then um, later, when he goes to meet Mr. Cross for the first time, he, we see him leave a, a, a fencing area that has albacore club on it. And I didn't catch it right there. But right before, later on, he went to say something, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's Apple! It's not Applecore that he said. It's a- it's Albacore." And I was like, "Oh!" And she, he mispronounced it again in the okay. Yeah. Um, calls it Abacore or something. Yep. It, it's um, there's so many brilliant things, and then the glasses that he finds like early in the movie, he goes in her backyard, um, before he knows Mulray is dead. And there's this little pond, and he sees something sparkly, but he gets pulled away. And it's so well, it's so done because it are, it's, brings it to our attention, but it's also so passing that I kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, we learn from the police that are kind of shady, but kind of good. It's hard to tell really where they stand. Um, that uh, Mulray had salt water in his lungs, so someone had murdered him and brought him to the reservoir. And then we find out that, like, you know, uh, JJ goes back to the Mulray house and the the gardener's like, saltwater, bad for the grass. And he had said something like that earlier, but he has this really thick Asian accent. So you it can't. It sounds like glass. Yeah, it sounded like glass. And, like, Jack Nicholson just kind of blows him off, like, okay, whatever, dude. Um, but now he's like, saltwater's bad for grass. And he's like, what did you just say? And I was me like, oh my God, he was murdered right there. And I was like, those are his glasses. And then when Faye Dunaway's like, those aren't his glasses. I'm like, wait, what? And then he puts it together. I was just like, oh, it's, there's so many great reveals. Like this, there's so much awesome storytelling I, in this movie. I, when she says that they're not his glasses and we find out that they're her dad's, um, I feel like I understand that he's powerful and that she's afraid of him, but I feel like she 
also kind of protects him in a way. You know, she could have just told him right there, JJ. But she doesn't. Uh, but she hasn't seen her dad um, since she was 15. So maybe she didn't know her dad wore bifocals. Mm. So all she tells him is that he, he doesn't, doesn't wear bifocals. bifocals. Yeah, so there's a, a real chance that she doesn't know her dad has bifocals or what type of glasses he wears. I mean, the dude's rich. He could have whatever he wants. Um, I, I was, I was compelled by so much of it and I was thrown off because really the water, um, like the whole like, uh, reservoir thing and the water like funneling that looks like the reason Mulray's murdered really isn't about that at all. Um, it is to a degree, but the real thing is cross wants his, uh, daughter like his not his not the daughter he raped but the new daughter back um he wants her and he probably i kind of got the vibe he didn't know she existed maybe until the pictures leaked Um, Uh. and so jj's interference is what prompted uh the whole thing or or the guy knew that the daughter was alive but he didn't know where and so hired Jack to find out where she was. And that's the apartment that he finds her, um, them at is the apartment where the, the daughter was staying. So that could be the, uh, the the frame of, you know, the why it was done the way it was done. But I do think the water was a part of it. But I think Cross would have got that no matter what. I don't think he needed to Which, kill Mulray. Um, that is based off of a true story that's... Hmm. A- real thing that happened in California. I did a tiny bit of reading. I can't remember what they are called, what it was exactly, but um, yeah, there was kind of a water crisis kind of like this. Um, I don't know if there was murder, but um, they did kind of do the same thing where they were withholding water um, and then trying to uh, make people that were outside of the city limits or something become integrated for, you know, money. Well, I, I'm definitely a fan of a good mystery when things uh, are laid out in front of you um, and you're going along with the detective trying to figure it out, trying to make sense of everything. And um, when it's uh, there and you kind of get it, but you never fully have the whole picture until the, the they give it to you, I love that. Because sometimes a movie telegraphs and I'm like, oh, I, I get it. Okay, great. And it's not that it makes it bad, but it doesn't make it, it doesn't have the impact that this movie had for me when it all was revealed. I was like, What? And then the ending, of course, um, we do now er, at some halfway point through the movie, I was starting to wonder why it was called Chinatown. I was like, well, I I assumed we would be in Chinatown, but we're not in Chinatown. Um, And Chinatown in this meets the noir criteria. Um, Usually uh, the detective has the detective type role, whatever, whether it's an actual detective or some other role has uh, done with dealt with a case similar to this in the past. And we get some kind of backstory about that. Sometimes we see it at the beginning of the movie, and then we go from there. In this case, we get it as a uh, narrated dialogue, um, not a flashback, just him telling the story. Very small, not overly exposition, but he he refers to when he was a detective on the force, he worked Chinatown. And now this, I'm 90% sure I'm right, and this is where I've not been able to confirm some things I'm about to point out. But um, he says he worked for the district attorney. And I think she says, well, what did you do in Chinatown? As little as possible is what we were told. That's what they were told to do in Chinatown, as little as possible. And the idea was, and they don't really go into this, you have to infer yourself, but that Chinatown was so corrupt that you couldn't do anything to stop the corruption. You, you were there 
you did as little as possible. You tried not to get wrapped up into the, the corruption, and at the same time, you, you didn't try to fix it because fixing it would only lead to more problems, which is what happened to him. He tried to help a woman with an issue in Chinatown. We don't know who the woman was. We don't know what the issue was. All we know is that it resulted in her death. And had he not intervened, she may have still died, but it wouldn't be on his consciousness. And that failure, that death, is uh, presumably why he left the force, why he became a private investigator, and um, why he has a cynical asshole personality now. So we get that through the course of the film. It's very kind of gradual, and it mainly comes out to Faye Dunaway. Now, the film does end in Chinatown which is predictable. Um, she's uh, not in a bad way predictable, but just it makes perfect sense that it would end there because that's it's paralleling his story. He met a woman. He didn't want to help her. He, he tried to talk her out of it, right? He does it anyways. Now, granted, the woman he tried to talk out of do doing anything wasn't the real Mrs. Mulray, but at the time, he was trying to, no, no, just leave, let, let sleeping dogs lie. You don't want to do this. You don't want to find out. It's better to not know. And yet he gets drawn into this, and he then meets the real Mr. Mulray, and he's even more compelled. He sees a woman who's trapped, and he starts looking to save her. Looking and looking and doing everything in his power to try to rescue her, and so much so that once he gets the truth, he's even more determined, and he gets he elicits help, which I love how they, they call back to the guy from the beginning of the movie. Um, I love it, but I do hate it, because he's... A, he's I guess at the time, maybe we were supposed to be a little more sympathetic to him, but we see his wife and she has a black eye, um, implying that rather than leave her, he just beat her, uh, which I don't tolerate. And neither does Giddy's because Giddy's kind of gives a look like you. S All right. He moves on, but he definitely doesn't look happy that uh, she has a black eye. Then again, he did slap the crap out of Faye Dunaway's character several times. So, <coughs> But he elicits help from everyone he can to try to get um, Faye Dunaway and her daughter out, away from Cross, away from this town, and he will re rendezvous with them later. However, Cross and the cops show up in Chinatown. They, they were able to get uh, the information, and a shootout occurs, and Faye Dunaway is killed. Now, here's where I have not found confirmation, Corey. Under his breath, he mutters something. And from what I've read from people, they've all said it's it's in, you can't hear it. It's not uh, you're not meant to hear it. Now I didn't go back and watch it with closed captions. Um, you had captions on. Did it say what he said? Yeah, I thought it said something like "just leave it alone" or something like that. Yeah, I heard uh, as little as possible or something. Oh, like. yep. No, I think you might be right. Which okay. is reiterating what the DA told him about Chinatown do as little as possible he didn't he got involved he did it when he was in chinatown as a cop and it resulted in a woman's death he did it again here and in the same thing because noir films end on a down note nothing we do matters the good in the world can be trumped by the evil that is not necessarily the, the message you want from a movie but that is the message that is being conveyed the people without power are always going to be struggling we are fish swimming upstream it will never be easy, and more often than not, the fishermen are going to catch us, beat us, and eat us. And that's what happens in this movie, and it is a, a very common theme in noir. I enjoy it. Again, my favorite Star Wars movie is Empire Strikes Back. It ends with Luke's hand cut off, Han frozen in carbonite, and Darth Vader looking like he's victorious. Um, it, it's it's something that I connect with. I'm not a overly overtly negative person. However, 
I do find that sometimes the happy ending doesn't work. Now, that said, love the way La La Land ends, and that's a super happy ending, kind of. Um, some people would argue it's not happy because the thing they want didn't happen, but I still think it's a happy ending for the most part. Um, but that uh, the ending here works perfectly for me. I, I do think where the bullet came out of her eye, um, which was really graphic, uh, was maybe and, not, not placed yeah. correctly, but... Um, the ending, you know, and the guy, of course, reiterating, um, what, what does he say? He's, what do you, something to Chinatown. Oh, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. It's Chinatown. That's what I was thinking stuff about. Yeah. Um, which I read on, uh, I read two different things that I thought were really cool. I don't have the name of the person who wrote these to credit because it was on Reddit, I think, but, um, forget it. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown means you can, you can't change things. It's the way things are and the way they will be, regardless of how much you tilt, tilt at windmills. Um, the line is about the futility of fighting injustices and darkness in the world. It's about giving up and looking away because nothing can be done anyway, lest you become another casualty of injustice. And then another one, <coughs> Chinatown is the, wor uh, is the world. Jake is everyone. Forgetting about, it, uh, forgetting about it is what we all do anyway, so we might as well keep doing it. Um, you know, now, that's a very cynical perspective. It will not work for everybody, and I get that. But I don't take it as, like, I don't walk away from this film feeling that. But it reminds me of why we need to fight. Because he was one man fighting injustice. If more people had stepped up and helped fight it, then there's a chance. And so, to me, these are, like, reminders of it's futile for one. You know, no man can move a mountain. But, you know, teams of people can, in theory, pebble at a time, make a change. And that's how I take cynical films is it's a reminder to do more um, that if we do fall into this, this perspective of everybody else and just not doing it, then yeah, we're, we're doomed. Um, and so while some people watch a film like this and they take a lot of negativity from it, and there's definitely some negative commentary being made, but that's good. I think we need to point out the flaws in humanity. We are full of them. And I feel, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I, I just, I like the idea of, reminding us that we have to be better than we can be because it's very easy to do nothing it takes a lot to to do the right thing sometimes and it's it's you know particularly easy to do nothing when it's not you that's in in the middle of it you know when it's you're at a restaurant and a man is beating his wife it's not you it's not your it's not your wife do you intervene or not it's much easier to not intervene but that's not the right thing and um you know, that's how I kind of take it. Now, this movie can, it could leave you feeling hopeless that nothing you do is going to change things. But um, you can also take that twist in the perspective that um, if more people did, then maybe it could have. Because think of all the people who, like if Lou, the, the lieutenant that he worked with in Chinatown, he is kind of in this gray area where he seems to be doing things correctly, but he also seems like he's working for Cross. Oh, and then she says that he owns the police. Her father owns the police. But I don't I don't want every movie to have a happy ending, but there she got no justice in this film. And then when Cross is like dragging their daughter away, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't I don't need a reminder at how effed up the world is because I, I am well aware, like you know what I mean? I don't need reminders of that. I don't, you know, I kind of watch a movie to kind of escape that. And like I said, I don't want everything to have a, have a happy ending. That's not always, 
you know. No, you're you're completely entitled to have this opinion, Corey. Um, it does not make the movie bad, of course. Um, it just doesn't it, connect with yeah. you in a story level. No, I mean, there's nothing technically at all wrong with this movie. Um, no. It, it, well, actually, you you pointed out some things you thought were wrong. You thought the sound editing was a little off, but I, I did not notice that. Um, so I'm not sure if that's and, your your situation with the air conditioner or whatnot. And it could be, but I don't remember a lot of movies that the sound, like, the soundtrack is way louder than all the dialogue where, you know what I mean? Um, I still think that as loud as I had it turned up, I still don't feel like the, like, music should have drowned out. See, you know, every- but that's why I don't recall ever having that feeling that I couldn't hear the dialogue because oh. of the music. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe the air conditioner being that weird, like, humming noise in the, in your ear, it might have messed with things. Because I do have issues with my hearing sometimes where uh, multiple sounds will, like, phase each other out kind of thing. Um, like, competing for attention. Like, where I just want, I, I know I should be able to hear something, but I can't. Because there's, like, especially, like, listening to someone in a crowded room. I can hear conversations across the room clearly, but I can't hear the person talking directly to me in like two or three feet from me. Um, me yeah. in a movie theater when people a few rows ahead of me are talking and somehow <laughs> I can't like, yeah. So but I can't. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that it is a technical error. It may be, I'm not, you know, maybe I just didn't notice it cause I was so captivated in the movie. Um, and I, I get what you're saying. And there's a lot of people. Noir is not a genre for everybody. Um, people do not always love cynical films. Um, some people don't like cynicism at all. I think that is wrong. I'm um, cynical. Yeah, and I, I, again, I don't think you should be cynical to the point where you don't try to make a difference. But I do think you should be cynical in the fact that people will generally do good. I don't think that's the case. I don't think people generally will do good. I think there are plenty of people who do good. But I do not think that is a default setting for humanity. I think we have to actively be aware that we should do good and um, make an effort to do that. And again, if you look at that movie, the movie as a reminder of how screwed up the world can be, even if you think you don't need that reminder, um, it never hurts. Uh, And now, to be fair, the world right now feels like we could use some good. So it might even be if you watch this 10 years ago when everything was happy-go-lucky, maybe you wouldn't have that uh, reaction to it. But maybe right now... What you need is a movie that doesn't make you feel how shitty humans can be. And, you know, maybe that would be the case. But um, who knows? Uh, Sometimes it is about, like, when you watch a movie as much as it is the movie itself, you know? Oh, Um, yeah, definitely. So I I give Chinatown the must-see, which it deserves just as a historical, you know, piece of art. Um, I did love it, though. It is likely going to be in my top 50 movies. Um, I'm not sure exactly where yet. But it's definitely a film that I, I can see myself rewatching, um, and one there's a, a more modern film that we'll be watching in a few weeks probably that is a similar uh, type of movie. I know they've been compared to one another at least, um, and that's L.A. Confidential, um, which we'll be getting to at some point on the movie club. Um, Corey, what about you? What are your thoughts for Chinatown? My least favorite part of all ever. Um, I feel like this is probably a problem with me. Um. And we all know that this movie is well-regarded. Um, I am caught between not a total waste of time and a decent watch. I'll go with a decent watch because I don't feel like it deserves not a total waste of time. But remember, uh, folks, the context of the, the whole review, this is why we do this at the end, 
you, you got to take into context her reasoning. It's not because it's a crappily made movie with bad acting. It's nope. the subject matter did not click for her, and that's going to be a problem. Now, she did have some technical complaints, but that is the beauty of um, the rating system that I tried to create, was I wanted to give context to why we give a rating. It's not um, a number just arbitrarily assigned. These have uh, descriptions. You can go to our website. Huh? Oh, it's like five. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I used to do numbers, and I like Metacritic uses numbers, but um, when you when you're thinking of like a five, four, three, two, one, um, sometimes it's hard to like to judge a movie like what makes it a three, like really what makes it a three. Like there's no overt criteria. Like yes, you might make all movies that are threes be very similar, like in what you like and what you don't. But what is it that makes it a three and not a two? You know, it's <laughs> it's it was hard for me to nail down. So the rubric was written for that. And also, um, but what I've learned about writing reviews is it, you need to understand where we're coming from because I don't like, um, I don't, I will not watch movies about horses. I have no interest in them. No Seabiscuit for you. That was our movie. No Seabiscuit, no war horse, no (laughs) racing stripes, which is technically a zebra, but you know, um, they don't interest me. I have no desire to watch them and they might be great. I just don't care. I won't go in now. I might watch them and find that I do love them because again, I don't feel like I've given them a chance, but they don't interest me. And same thing, I don't like the Fast and the Furious movies. You can. Maybe you're a car person. I'm not a big car person. Like I drive a car. Actually, I drive a truck, and I know very little about them. I appreciate that they exist, but that's not my thing. If it's your thing, you're going to like it and keep that in mind with our reviews. Um you heard two di- very different perspectives. If you side with me, if you're thinking, "Hey, I kind of agree with what this guy's saying." Well, then you're probably going to like this movie. But if you're feeling like you agree with what Corey's saying, you're probably going to feel the same way watching this movie. But then again, watch it for yourself. Um, Speaking of next week, Corey, episode number 29, I think. (laughs) Am I right? Is it 29? I don't know. I can't keep... uh, No, episode 30. Big old (gasps) episode 30. Um, What are we going to be watching? Okay. Um, I am going with a movie that I don't think I've ever seen... Um, but maybe when I watch it, I'll be reminded of when I was a child. Um, I'm going with uh, Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, okay. Um, I watched this for the first time last year. Um, I've been wanting to rewatch it. Uh, I won't. Oh, great. I guess my my inflection may have already given a little bit away of my opinion of this movie. But um, yeah, I'm always down for a Spielberg film. Um, and this is one I think I've only seen. Once as an adult, and I, I, I definitely re- I have a memory of seeing part of it when I was a kid with my mom, but I didn't I did not remember the movie when I watched it. It was definitely not the movie I remembered seeing. Um, so I only saw either I only remembered fragments, um, or I only uh, saw fragments. Kind of like Edward Scissorhands because I knew I saw that movie, but watching it the other day, I was like, wow, I totally don't remember the structure or the point of this movie like I do now. Um, but there you have it, folks. Episode number thirty. We're gonna go, Mr. Spielberg's. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, with starring Richard Dreyfuss, which, again, I am always down for. Um, I am a Richard Dreyfuss supporter. Uh, you can tweet at us. Um, I'm at Burke Reviews. And Corey? At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. Using hashtag MC Third Kind, I think. Yeah, MC Third Kind. Um, we will if you have your th- comments on that movie now this is a fun one you may have already seen this movie it's a classic 
Uh, you can just tweet your thoughts about this movie. What do you like? What do you not like? And we might read them on the air next week when we record the podcast. Um, but that's it for this episode. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts about Chinatown 2 still, so feel free to comment on the post for this or email us. Um, you can email me at Burke at burkreviews.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'll be back next week with the episode for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Until then, Corey, thank you so much. Thank you. Peace, everybody. Bye. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. Burkreviews.com. <laughs>